When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flipping Bats. The season is off and running. We're kind of in our normal cadence now. Our Monday episode, we get to do a little recap show. This is going to be a blast. We're going to round the bases. Top storylines around the game of baseball. Of course, this week in Shohei Otani news will be on Mondays. And this one, oh baby, he's hot. We got a good one for you as well. Also, we're going to do a little rookie report. I've been on record saying this could be one of the greatest rookie classes of all time. So we're going to start doing a little rookie report, updating you guys along the way. Of course, my power rankings and a breakdown segment. Ben's breakdown. Where this week, I'm going to break down that new pitch comm system that we all see out there. But let's start with some of the top storylines around the game of baseball from this past week. And I want to start with first base, which is going to be Corey Seager being intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Against the Angels, Joe Madden, now for the second time in his career, has intentionally walked somebody with the bases loaded. Now. This situation is a little more interesting than the other ones. First and foremost, the Angels were losing this game, 3-2. to It was also the fourth inning. So they intentionally walk in a run in the fourth inning of this game, down a run already. Second is the fact that, and this is nothing against Corey Seager. He is a fantastic player. The other two players that this has been done to Josh Hamilton, when he was at the height of his career and, and one of the incredible, and the other, Barry Bonds. Both of those times, the other team was losing in a late game situation. So here we have the fourth inning with one out, and you're intentionally walking in a run. I, it's just a struggle for me to wrap my brain around this. It ends up I, I want it ends up working out. The Angels win the game, but they and Joe Madden was bailed out here. His team bailed him out by just putting up a bunch of runs. This is just overthinking. I like Joe Madden. I think he's a really good manager. I think he's a really good player manager. This one here is overthinking it a little bit. It absolutely is. He's the first manager since Jim O'Rourke in 1881 to intentionally walk a batter when his team is losing. The Buffalo Bisons, good old Jim O'Rourke. I mean, (laughs) 
just a funny situation. He was obviously asked about it post game. And basically he said, yeah, I went out and talked to my pitcher. Uh, we thought we had a better chance to get the next guy, maybe ground into a double play. But he also said, but mostly it was to stir my team up a little bit, really get the guys going. I, I don't know how I'd feel about that if I was playing. There was a shot of Mike Trout in the outfield, which is hysterical. You can see his brain going through it. He sees what's happening, and he literally looked around the bases and said, yep, there's a guy on first, there's a guy on second, yep, there's a guy on third. What in the world are we doing? But his team ends up getting bailed out. Angels end up winning. Shohei goes nuts, which, oh, baby, we get to talk about soon. But, yeah, interesting decision there. Corey Seager intentionally walked. Next up in rounding the bases, second base, let's talk about the National League West. Why? Well, because it's pretty good. You have the Dodgers sitting at 7-2. and two. But other than the Dodgers, people were saying this year that the division's not going to be, you know, the Giants aren't going to be as good. The Padres, who knows what you're going to get, and then it's going to be bad from there. The Dodgers are sitting at 7-2. and two. The Giants are sitting at 7-2 and two with the best pitching staff statistically in baseball right now. Best ERA, the Giants. The Colorado Rockies, six and three. Producer Conrad, I don't know if you remember this, but in our preseason preview, I was a little higher on the Rockies than most, right? Just a little bit, a little bit higher. Just but I mean, you bit. also said they were going to beat a lot of teams outside of the Yeah, division. I did say that. All right. I did say, okay. So I said they would be better. They wouldn't compete in the division, but outside of the division, they'd be 500. So there's that. I was a little higher on them. They're sitting at six and three. They're playing good baseball. Chris Bryant, their new acquisition, is tearing it up offensively. CJ Crone, another guy they brought in, is hitting tanks. He had two home runs the other night that were close to a combined 1,000 feet. I mean, this team is not bad offensively, but they're sitting at six and three. And then there's the Padres who have tons of talent. And now they're led by Bob Melvin. They're sitting at six and five. They're coming off a series where they just take down the defending champs, Atlanta Braves. The pitching staff looks good. Offensively, they're showing flashes. Manny Machado had a million hits the other night, five hits in a game, an absolute bomb. Bob Melvin leading this team is, in my opinion, the biggest factor of all. You know what scares me? Fernando Tatis, who's one of the best players in baseball, is out recovering from a broken wrist that he got in the offseason. And I saw a video of him playing soccer in the outfield and tripping and falling over the ball and landing on his wrist. I mean, come on. I want the Padres to be good. They need Fernando Tatis. And, and we got to make sure we're doing the right things with him. That's just not smart. But the Padres are sitting at six and five. They appear to be good. I think we undervalued this division a little bit, specifically the San Francisco Giants. It happened last year. We, nobody was a believer in the Giants until, look, I, I want to say I started believing in them. I started putting them high up in my power rankings pretty early on. But I don't know if people were believers in the San Francisco Giants at any point last year. They win the division. They win over 100 games. I mean, they end up matching up with the Dodgers in the playoffs, and, and it comes down to the wire. 
And now coming into this season, they lose Chris Bryant, they lose Kevin Gosman, but they add in other areas. Carlos Rodon is there. This rotation is led by Logan Webb, who's an elite star in this game that we don't talk about enough. This team has continually been undervalued, and I'm tired of it. I'm not going to do it anymore. They're sitting at 7-2. and two. They're playing really good baseball. Joey Bart has stepped in for Buster Posey, who's a Hall of Famer. Joey Bart has been great as a rookie behind the plate. The NL West is good. The Dodgers are the cream of the crop, but the other teams are looking really good. There's four teams right now. And throw the Rockies in there because they deserve to be in this conversation for the start that they have had to this year. Let's move on and talk about the New York Yankees. Third base, the New York Yankees. I got some talking to do about this Yankees team. They're in trouble. The New York Yankees have issues. And I know we're just a few games into the year, but the Yankees have issues. They have offensive issues. They even have some pitching issues. And then you lose a series to the Baltimore Orioles. So let's start with this offense because this team is built around offense. This team is built around outslugging you, just hitting more homers than you and scoring more runs than you, quite frankly. What are you going to get from the pitching? Well, we just hope it's good enough to support our great offense. The offense has been awful, and it needs to be called out. They're way too talented for this to happen. Let's talk about some of these guys in the lineup. Okay? Aaron Judge. This team revolves around Aaron Judge. Okay? And he's, he's up for a new contract. He wants a contract extension. He's hitting 257 with one home run. One RBI. We're 10 games into the year. That can't be happening. And, and, and Aaron Judge is, is, has been better than a lot of these guys offensively. Josh Donaldson, new pickup. Batting 200, one home run on the year. Giancarlo Stanton, 263 with two home runs. So, I mean, is that what you'd expect from Giancarlo Stanton? I, I don't know to this point. You'd probably want a little bit more. But fine, right? Fine. Let's keep going with this offense. Anthony Rizzo, they pick up to be their first baseman. The first baseman that they wanted Freddie Freeman, they wanted Matt Olson, they get Anthony Rizzo. He's batting 212. You just start looking through this lineup and, and what, are, what are we seeing here? Who, who's producing? Isaiah Kiner Falefa. The shortstop that they traded for. He's batting 214. Zero home runs, zero RBIs. Okay? Then you have Joey Gallo. He's batting 138. Zero home runs, zero RBIs. Glaber Torres, 161, one home run. This is their lineup we're talking about. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo, Josh Donaldson. These are the big names. And only a couple of them are even hitting well over 200. 200's the Mendoza line. I'm a believer in this team and this offense. This is unacceptable. The offense has to be better. I know we're 10 games in. And you can say all you want that this is an overreaction. We, you got to do better than this. This offense is way too talented. This team is led by their offense, and those are the numbers that are being put up so far. 
Then you go to look at the pitching. The pitching has been their savior because of guys like Nestor Cortez, Jordan Montgomery. Garrett Cole is the highest paid pitcher on the planet. And he has a 5.59 ERA. He hasn't been his dominant self. They, the Yankees need him to be his dominant self. So I, I know we're two starts in, but this goes back to last year at the end of the year. He wasn't great then. I think Garrett Cole is really good. He throws 100 miles an hour with a 92-mile-an-hour slider. But he's the guy at the top of this New York Yankees rotation. Aroldis Chapman in the back end of the, in the, back end of the bullpen. They're closer. I mean, you have no confidence in him. None at all. Producer Conrad, I don't know how much New York Yankees you've watched this year, but when you see right now Aroldis Chapman coming into a game, does that exude like, oh, this game's over? No, I mean, we saw it against the Blue Jays, too, in the final game of that series. Up 3-0, bottom of, or yeah, top of the ninth. Bases yeah. loaded. He walked. The bases he, loaded. He walks everybody. Then they had to pull him. Yeah, and that's what happened. The other day against the the Orioles, he comes in, walks in the game-winning run. It wasn't his run that he had walked in. Uh, other pitchers got him on base, but he had to bring him in, and he doesn't get the job done. Well, I'm watching games that he's pitching in. There's pitches that aren't even close. You know the movie Bull Durham where Nuke Lelouch hits the mascot? It's like that's how, like that's how much he's missing the, the strike zone by sometimes. This is Aroldis Chapman. He's the closer of the New York Yankees. He's got to be better. And then they go into a series against the Baltimore Orioles. One that they, it's not a must win. We're early in the year. They're fine. But they're losing a series to the Baltimore Orioles in ugly fashion by not scoring any runs. I mean, they are just not scoring. They get shut out in a game. They lose that game that Aroldis Chapman walked in a run two to one. It's ugly. The Yankees have been held scoreless by the Orioles in 25 of the 28 innings played so far this series at Camden Yards. 25 of 28 innings. This offense that is has star power for days. What what is going on there? I don't know. They have to be better. This tweet, the Yankees are frankly lucky they didn't get swept. Pretty shameful weekend of baseball. So much for taking advantage of the lowly O's. You know, the Yankees last year were pretty vocal about, we need to, we need to upgrade at shortstop. You know, we don't think Glaber is, is the shortstop that we need. We need to upgrade. So now we're 10 games into the year. And then you have Glaber Torres pinch hitting in a game for the shortstop that you traded for. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Glaber Torres pinch hits for him and then goes and plays shortstop. Look, I, I do believe that this Yankees team has the ability to get hot, and I'm not saying that they're not going to be a good team this year. The Yankees will get hot at some point. They will go on a tear. That's what they've been doing for the last few years. But what I'm saying is that stretches like this, losing a series to the O's, 
having your offense go through this is unacceptable. Yes, it, you will get hot. You will go through a stretch. You will be fine. But this is why you can't win in the playoffs because a team is built like this and you're obviously going to go through a stretch like this at some point. The playoffs are about just beating everybody for over the course of a month. Are you confident in this lineup to do that? They're going to get hot for a couple games. Man, look, plain and simple, the New York Yankees have to be better. You have a high payroll. You are the New York Yankees. You can't be doing this. You can't have your offense be doing this. You can't have the back end of your bullpen. It's got to be better. It's got to be better. They're too good. They're just too good. That's on the Yankees. I was heated. I'm heated watching them. My voice is cracking talking about them. Huh. Let's round third, head on home, and talk about Justin Verlander. My brother. Man, this was cool. And I got, uh, I got pretty emotional watching my brother the other night against the Seattle Mariners. What an outing. Eight innings pitched, eight strikeouts, three hits, zero earned runs, all on 86 pitches. He's back. He's back, man. This was incredible. I watched the whole game. This is the first start for my brother that I wasn't there for since he came back. I was there in Anaheim when he made that start and threw great. But now it's like I was back to my old habits. I was sitting on my couch. I was chewing my nails. I was yelling at umpires. I was doing everything that I had always done. But he is back. It was dominant. He was so good. He's the first pitcher, get this, since 1997 to go on the road, throw eight-plus innings, strike out eight or more guys in under 90 pitches. All while throwing his 3,000th inning in Major League Baseball. This is this is pretty special for me. I, I know what my brother has gone through in his career. I know what he's gone through to get back. I know that there's people that didn't believe he'd be this good when he came back. And to be honest with you, I didn't care. But it's pretty special, and it's, it is against the odds. I understand that. I put him in my preseason, in, the, in my top 10 pitchers of the year. And I think that was, for many, that was going out on a limb. But I believe he's, he's shown me along the way that there's no reason to not believe in him. His last full season, 2019, he won the Cy Young Award. But now at 39 years old, after coming back from Tommy John surgery, being the second oldest pitcher to come back from Tommy John surgery, other than Jamie Moyer, who pitched until he was like 80. He's back. And he's not only back, he's dominating. This, this outing the other night was awesome. This Seattle Mariners team that he pitched against is much improved. And other than that one game, 
that Justin shut them out? Mariners looked great. Put up a bunch of runs. A ton the night before he pitched. They won the series yesterday. The Mariners have looked good. Justin just looked fantastic. So, look, as, as a fan of baseball, what an outing. What a cool thing to see him back. As his brother, it was a pretty special night. And I got emotional. I got emotional watching it. 3,000 innings in Major League Baseball. That hasn't done many times. That hasn't been done. He's only the second active player that has reached that number, Zach Granke being the other. He's also one of only 19 pitchers in the history of baseball to have 3,000 strikeouts. Man, pretty awesome watching that. Pretty special. Pretty special moment for me. I know we talked right after. I called my dad after, and, and we talked for a while. And uh, just a pretty special night. So Justin is back at 39 years old, coming off Tommy John surgery. Vintage Justin Verlander is back. And if you ever doubted it, well, you just don't know my brother very well. What an outing. What a night. He's back, baby. All right, and now it is time for my favorite segment every week. This week in Shohei Otani news, he is so back. The MVP is back. He's having fun doing it. We'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about his pitching as well. But first and foremost, the MVP is so back. Three home runs in the span of 10 at-bats over this past week. What an awesome bounce back for Shohei Otani. He was getting a little unlucky. He was hitting line drives. They were getting caught diving catches. But he's back. And guess who can't make a diving catch when, when you hit the ball over the fence? It can't be caught. And he did that three times in 10 at-bats. It was so awesome to see. His swing looks fantastic. He was having a blast doing it. All while, by the way, I have the luckiest photo of all time. I tweeted it. I said, it's time to use it. And the first pitch Shohei Otani saw He hit an absolute bump. I continuously told you guys, every one of you, do not worry. Shohei Otani will be fine. He will win back-to-back MVP awards. Just give him time. And he's back. Against the Rangers, three bombs over the course of 10 ABs. Look at this tweet. This is the lucky photo. If you can't see it, I said, it's time. Bringing back my Shohei Otani good luck photo from last year. Now we go. The very next pitch he saw that night, the first pitch of the game, the very next pitch he saw after that tweet, he hit a bump. His first of the year. Later in that game, he hit his second of the year. That's what I missed. I missed my phone. Lighting up saying Shohei Otani home run. When that happens, I freak out. I was freaking out a lot this past week. He's back. MVP Otani is back. And he is well on his way to winning back-to-back MVP awards. How sick would that be? 
He's also having a blast doing it. I mean, the Angels have this cowboy hat now. That's awesome. So Shohei Otani hits three bombs in the week, and he gets to wear this cowboy hat in the dugout. That's awesome. We've never seen that before. We also got this week the first ever Shohei Otani bat flip in the big leagues. Like a real legitimate, I just hit a home run, I'm going to flip my bat. It was sick. Let me walk you through that bat flip. It was with confidence. It was with charisma. It was the perfect bat flip. What else could you expect? There it is. Right there. Home run, bomb, bat flip. On top of all that, before the home runs, before my tweet, which I want to take credit with my tweet, but I also have to give credit to Shohei Otani, who may be the best person in history at giving CPR. He goes into the dugout. He gives his bat CPR to try and revive the bat. And guess what he did? He revived the bat. Then the tweet from me, the lucky photo. You add all that up together, what do you get? You get three home runs and 10 at bat. That's what you get. He's so bad. And he's so good at CPR. I also need to talk about his pitching. Shohei is pitching. Anybody that has any concerns, just temper them a little bit. He's fine. He's throwing very hard. He didn't have the best start against the Rangers this past week. Gave up a few runs. Gave up a grand slam. But it's just one bad pitch. It was the first ever home run he had given up on his splitter, by the way. The first ever. It wasn't a great pitch. He left it hanging. One bad pitch. Guy puts on a good swing. Hits a home run to right field. Four runs right there. Tough to recover from that. But we've seen that before from him. I look back to the Yankees start last year. Shohei Otani has an incredible ability of taking the good from a start and learning from it. Learning from the bad and learning from the positive. He did it last year in New York when he didn't get out of the first inning. He makes a bad pitch against the Rangers. It's hit for a grand slam. He will learn from that. He will be better. He's had one really good start this year against the Astros. And this start, well, not so much. He got hit around a little bit. But he'll start again this week. It'll be better. He will learn from that. He really does have an incredible ability to, one, bounce back from a rough outing, and, two, learn from that. And he will do that. I believe that. And I believe he will be a fantastic pitcher this year as well. But he's back. He is so back. Three bombs, 10 ABs. He's off and rolling now. And that's it for this week for him. What is he going to do next week? I don't know. But that's why I love this segment. Because you can count on him every single day to do something special. He is a special player. He is a special talent. And he means a lot to this show. Look at this. Look how awesome the set looks. I get to talk about him every week. I can't wait to do it next week because he's back, baby. The reigning MVP and the guy that I called going back-to-back is back. I called him going back-to-back, and he's going to do just that. This has been another edition 
of my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. All right, and that was this week in Shohei Otani news. I have been very vocal this year about this rookie class. I have been on record saying this could go down as one of the best of all time. So what I want to do every Monday is have a rookie report segment. And that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to bring out producer Conrad, and we're going to go over all of these rookies, who's doing great, who's not. So, Conrad, let's start in the National League. Yeah, in the National League, this is an easy one. Hunter Green from the Cincinnati Reds. Hunter Green from the Cincinnati Reds throws Wago. I mean, I watched him the other night against the Dodgers. He didn't look overmatched by any means in Dodger Stadium. He threw 39 pitches of 100 miles an hour or more, which was the most of all time in a start. 13 pitches of 101 plus. He averaged 100.2 on his fastball. An average. He's a rookie in his second big league start, breaking all-time records. 39 pitches of over 100 miles an hour. For reference, the Arizona Diamondbacks in the last decade have thrown four pitches over 100 miles an hour. That's crazy. Ten years, they've had four pitches register over 100 miles an hour. He threw 39 the other night. Hunter Green looks great. Yeah, another rookie that looks absolutely fantastic. Seiya Suzuki. Yeah, my prediction for NL Rookie of the Year, Seiya Suzuki, has come from Japan and just started tearing up Major League Baseball. He's batting over 400, four bombs, 11 RBIs. Seiya Suzuki looks great. I'm a big fan of watching him. I'm a big fan of his game. He hits bombs. He bat flips. This guy's fun. I, I feel even better right now. You know what? I, I do feel better about my NL prediction of him winning Rookie of the Year because he started off so hot. I'm going to tell you, Hunter Green scares me. He's throwing fantastic. But, yeah, Seiya Suzuki looks great. Only issue, will Hunter Green get the run support to back up his good stats? <laughs> no. Yep. All right, moving on next. You talked about him earlier, the guy replacing Buster Posey, Joey Bart. Yeah, Joey Bart was tasked with one of the most difficult things you can do in sports. Be a rookie and step in for a Hall of Famer. Fill the shoes of a Hall of Famer. That's what Joey Bart has to do. And not only is he doing it well, he's also stepping in as a catcher, which there aren't many offensive-minded catchers in this league anymore. Most of them are supposed to be back there to catch, to catch the pitching staff, which, by the way, this pitching staff that he is catching has started off this season as the best in baseball. So, yeah, we want to look at statistics offensive, which I'll do in a second. Let's talk about the pitching staff and how they're the best in baseball. If you don't think that has anything to do with him and the catchers, well, you're wrong. He's also batting 273, two bombs already on the year, four RBIs. Joey Bart looks like the real deal. He had a lot of hype around him. He had a lot of hype. And then he steps in on a team that won the National League West last year. Buster Posey retires. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He stepped in, and he's looked 
He's looked pretty good. Joey Bart looking good for the Giants. All right, we're going to move over to the American League, starting with a guy I know you're very familiar with, Spencer Torkelson. Torque. Torque looks good. He started off the year a few hitless games. I, I've said this multiple times now. Hitting in baseball is very, very mental. It is very challenging. Hitting as a rookie in the league, trying to get that first hit is extremely challenging. So he goes a few hitless games, and then he gets one to drop. Gets that first hit, and since then, he's hit two bombs. He's got five RBIs. He's looking good. Torque looks good. I'm a believer in Torque. I went on record predicting him to win the AL Rookie of the Year, despite the odds saying Bobby Wood Jr., Julio Rodriguez were probably better bets there. They had better odds to win it. I'm a believer in Spencer Torkelson. This guy has hit every level he has been at. He's a stud. And now he's off and running. Playing good defense before he got that first hit. Playing great defense. Then he gets that hit. And now you can see him just taking off. He looks great. Yeah, he really does. Uh, up next, same division, Stephen Kwan. Producer Conrad, could you have imagined to start the year a month before the season that we'd be here talking about Stephen Kwan? No. <laughs> no. Stephen Kwan is off to a terrific start, a historic start to his career. Listen to some of these stats. He has become the sixth player since 1901 to record a five-hit game within the first three games of his career. He started his career getting eight hits in his first 10 at-bats. Not great with math. That one's easy. Eight for 10, 800. He also started his career with 116 pitches seen without a swing and a miss. Wild. Look at this tweet. There are four qualified batters with zero swings and misses in the strike zone. Four. Stephen Kwan is one of those. Brian Hayes, Elias Diaz, Yandy Diaz are the other three. This is to start his career. He's a rookie. He's batting almost 400 to this point. On base percentage, well over 500. Stephen Kwan, out the gates, quick. Learn the name. Let's go. Next up, we have our only pitcher on the list so far, Matt Brash. Yeah, Matt Brash of the Seattle Mariners has looked really good against two good offenses. Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros, not even good. Great, great offenses. He looked fantastic yesterday, as in Sunday, against the Houston Astros. He throws Fuego. He's got a 3-3 ERA to this point in the year through two starts against great teams. Almost touching 100. His off-speed stuff is electric. I don't know if you're watching this and not just listening. We're showing it on the board right now. His, his slider is just disgusting. Bruce Conrad, I got to talk to you about this one. You're a Mariners fan. Um, I guess, one, did you see this coming? And two, I mean... How nasty is this guy? No, I think this is what makes baseball so special is the Mariners got him last year 
for a random player. Just a player to be named later. And then we end up getting Matt Brash. Right. And they're like, this guy just has some nasty stuff. Last year in the minors, it was like watching him play wiffle ball. And we're like, okay, pump the brakes. <laughs> this kid can't be that good at major league level. He came to spring training and just absolutely showed that he has all the tools to become a top-of-the-line rotation player. Um, and he's so far this season, like I said, White Sox, Astros, five no-hit innings yesterday, little control issues on walking people, but he's looked phenomenal. He really has. It's been a very, very nice surprise. Yeah, as a, uh, as a Mariners fan, I'm sure you have to be pumped about him. I mean, look, this Mariners team, yes, led by Robbie Ray, Cy Young Award winner and friend of the pod, but they need and, and I don't want to like put too much pressure on a guy, but the Mariners need him. They need him to be good. They need this rotation behind Robbie Ray to be good. And so far, not only has he been really good, the rotation's been pretty good. But look, anytime you're throwing 100 with nasty off speed, you're going to succeed in this league. Keep your, keep your eyes on him. He's a name to remember. Matt Brash looking fantastic for the Mariners. Next up, guy that we got a little close and personal with last weekend, Jeremy Pena. Yeah, Jeremy Pena, another one of those guys that um, when I talked about Joey Bart, I talked about how tough it is to step in for a fantastic player and as a rookie have to produce in that spot. He has stepped in for Carlos Correa, and man, he's got multiple three-hit games now. Three-hit game the night that um, my brother pitched, Saturday night. Is one out. He flew out deep. Well, it was almost a bomb to dead center. Jeremy Pena has three three-hit games in his young career. Out of eight games. I mean, you're not wanting or you're not expecting this when you get a young rookie to step in for Carlos Correa. You're just, a, you're just wanting a guy that's serviceable, that plays good defense, and gets on base every now and then. He's been light years above what you could hope for. His, his metrics, his advanced metrics at the plate are, are incredible. I mean, he's batting 345. On top of that, he is playing great defense. He made a play the other night. He was playing shortstop, but he was shifted on the other side of second base. He made a play in shallow left field that he had no right making. The catch probability on it, according to StatCast, was minuscule. Jeremy Pena has stepped in, and not only stepped in for Carlos Correa, fantastic, but he wasn't one of the names coming into this year that everybody was all on board with when it came to these great rookies. But he has been great. He's been fantastic. And we got to talk to him on the field about his, his quick start. Talked about how nervous he was in that first game. Then he gets that first hit and it all opens up. Jeremy Pena off to a fantastic start. Absolutely. All right, next up, this is another guy near and dear to my heart, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez is a, a super prospect in this game. He is one of the most awaited prospects that we have seen in a while. And there's a few of those this year, in fact. Another one we'll get to next. And another one in Adley Rutschman that hasn't that that got hurt and hasn't made his debut yet. Julio is off to a tough start at the plate, then 107. Um, but he's showing glimpses of turning that corner, hitting balls hard. He's looking a little better at the plate. 
He's stealing some bags. But his defense, look, I, I know, and I know he'll come around offensively. I just know he's, he's a stud. I don't think we talked about his defense enough. This guy's making plays in the outfield. So, yes, the report on Julio Rodriguez, J-Rod, isn't great to this point. He's off to a little bit of a sluggish start offensively. I think it turns around. I really do. But in the meantime, he's out there playing a fantastic center field. Give it time. Give him time. He's a rookie. We know mentally how much of a struggle this can be on rookies. Give him time. If you're a Mariners fan, if you're a fan of the game of baseball, if you like keeping up with prospects, one, this will be your show, recapping them every week. But give Julio Rodriguez time. Absolutely. All right, last but not least, Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr., another one of those guys that was a super prospect. I mean, he, was, he had a much-awaited arrival in the big leagues. He's off to a little bit of a slow start as well, batting 153 few RBIs, but stealing bases, playing good defense. Um, I, I believe he will turn it around as well at the plate. I also didn't realize, I, I know he was fast. He steals a lot of bags. I didn't realize he was as fast as he is. Got a couple triples to this point. The dude just scoots. Like Trey Turner fast. Look, yeah, seriously. I just want him to get down the slide. The Trey Turner slide Ugh. is... The most beautiful. I'm glad you brought him up. He did it again. Trey had a triple the other day and slid into third. And it's like the most majestic. It's like art. It's unbelievable. I watch it like every time I see that clip, I watch like 10 times over. Yeah. And it's like, was this like slowed down? It's like, no, this is just what he does. Yeah. Okay. We got a little sidetracked there. But it's just, it's incredible. Bobby Witt Jr. is fast. So he's able to help. He's able to produce in different ways for this team. Um, and he's, he's doing just that. The, the bat will come. This guy is a five-tool player. He really is. He's batting 156 right now, but he'll turn that around for sure. So that is the rookie report this week. We'll be doing this every week. The rookies are good. The rookies are really good, and I want to, and this show wants to find a way to highlight them as much as possible, just so you guys know what's going on and can keep an eye on them. There's the Trey Turner slide. Beautiful. A thing of beauty. I could never slide like that, by the way. I know we're getting sidetracked here at the end of this segment. Every time I would slide, I'd rip a hole in my jeans. Or not jeans. I was wearing baseball pants on the baseball field, I promise. I'd rip a hole. I just and this is just this is just beautiful. But that does it for the rookie report. Now, as with every Monday show, let's get into my top 10 power rankings of the week. I love doing these. It gets the people going. Producer Conrad is out here. Let's go through this week's top 10 power rankings. All right, coming in at number 10, Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers have uh, moved down my list a little bit. They're just hanging on by a thread. This rotation, um, I, I know, is going to be good. It's one of the best in baseball. But the offense to this point has just not been great. They need, they need something, something to help this pitching staff. So they're still in the top 10 because of how good they can pitch. One through three in that rotation, fantastic. Back into the bullpen, fantastic. But offensively, they got to pick it up. Come in number nine, San Diego Padres. Yeah, the Padres coming off a big series. It was one of my series to watch heading into the weekend against the reigning champs, the Atlanta Braves. They look good. Take two of three. Um, Mackenzie Gore has come up and looked good. The offense has shown flashes. The starting pitching 
has looked good. Darvish looks great. Manaya has looked good. This Padres team started the season just outside of the top 10 because of the Tatis injury. I think that really hurts them. But they've shown, at least to this point, that they're going to compete, and they're doing it pretty well. Padres at 9. Coming number 8, we have the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, this is their, I believe, their uh, debut this year in the weekly top 10 power rankings. They've looked really good. Nolan Arenado is hitting, I mean, he's dang near close to 500. Made me wear his shirt today. Um, they've looked really good. Tyler O'Neill's looked good. Pitching has held up. Cardinals, number eight. Coming number seven, Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, you know, I had the Rays a little lower to start the year, and then they start off the year on a tear. I know it was against the Orioles, but hey, the Orioles just beat the Yankees. Um, but they they struggled over the course of this past week, so they're on a little bit of a roller coaster ride right now. I have them settled, settled into the seven spot. Um, I'm never going to count out the Rays. I think they're good. They had a dominant win against the the White Sox yesterday, but they end up they lost that series. But they're a tough team to get a pulse on right now, and they always are. They always play above what their roster shows. So I move them down a little bit for the tough week. They're at seven. Yep, coming number six, the Houston Astros. Yeah, the Astros a. a good little fall as well. I had them at the top of last week's power rankings because of their start to the year, which was great. Um, that offense hasn't started clicking yet. You know, they've shown flashes everywhere. The starting pitching has been really good. The offense has been really good. The bullpen has been good, but it's not really clicking all at the same time right now. Everything seems to be going when the other isn't. Um, it's early. The Astros will be fine. The lineup is too deep, but there's multiple games right now where they're just getting blanked not looking good at the plate. Um, and then there's games where they come out firing on all cylinders. I have them move down the list a little bit at number six right now. Coming in number five, those San Francisco Giants. Yeah, big jump. Big jump for these Giants. Um, they're good. They have the best starting pitching statistically in baseball right now. They're hitting well enough to get the job done. They're sitting at 7-2. Seven 7-2, two. Seven and two, they're at the top of the NL West with the Dodgers. We did it again. We underrated the Giants again. I'm going to be, I don't know if I'm the first, but I'm back on, I'm, I'm a Giants fan of what they're doing. They're looking good. They're, they're bumped up a good bit in the power rankings. They're in the top five now. All right. Come in number four, Chicago White Sox. The White Sox are on paper, a very complete team. They beat the Rays in a, on a home series just over the weekend who I've, I've said they're tough to get a pulse on the Rays. So I don't really know like how how big of a series win that is. Like I don't really understand their competition yet. But they have a good record. Their offense is great. Their pitching is great. Dylan Cease, I said he could be a Cy Young contender this year. And man, he certainly looks to be that so far this year. The rotation's really good. They just got to stay healthy. I'm tired of watching this team get bit by the injury bug. The White Sox are great. Just let them stay healthy, please. They're at number four. Come in number three, the New York Mets. The Mets have looked thus far to be an elite team in the game of baseball. They don't even have Jacob deGrom. And this, what this pitching staff is doing is special. Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, Tyler McGill. Man, they have been incredible. This revamped offense looks really good all the new all the new pickups Eduardo Escobar 
you know, Mark Hanna's looked good until I believe he's still out to this point with, with COVID. But everything they have done, Lindor looks to be back to one of the best shortstops in baseball, hitting bombs from both sides of the plate in the game again. Pete Alonso looks good. I hear you, everybody. You've always said the Mets are going to met. I believed in the Mets this year, and now I really do. I've bumped them up a good bit in the power rankings. I have them in the top three. Come in number two, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, look, the Blue Jays aren't going to win 100-plus games this year solely because of the division they play in. They are going to beat each other up in the AL East. But I'm not looking at record when I do this power rankings. It's not a record thing. The Blue Jays are fantastic. They are never out of games. They're going to pitch. I think their pitching staff will, will be good this year. Jordan Romano, with all due respect to Josh Hader and the closer that he is, Jordan Romano could be the best closer in baseball at this point. 28 consecutive saves. He's looked fantastic in the back end. Vladdy Jr. looks awesome. An an MVP candidate. This Blue Jays team is incredible. Like I said, this isn't a record-based thing. This is power ranking. And nobody has more power. Well, there might be one team that has more power than the Toronto Blue Jays, who I have at number two. And coming in at number one, the city of Los Angeles can sleep easy tonight knowing the Dodgers are number one. Yeah, you know, I had them at one to start the year. The first week's power rankings, I did. I moved them down. You can't lose a series to the Colorado Rockies and expect to stay at the top of the power rankings. But a couple things since. Well, they haven't lost. That helps. And the Rockies, eh? They're looking a little better. They don't look like a, a it doesn't look like you can walk all over them anymore. They're sitting at six and three. The Rockies have looked better than most expected. So they lose that series. They get bumped down the power rankings, and then they've won every game since. And they have the best lineup on paper. They have an incredible roster, top to bottom. The Dodgers are a fantastic team, and they've won every game since that series. And now they're back on top of my power rankings. And that wraps up. My top 10 power rankings of this week. Now let's start another fun segment, Ben's Breakdown. All right, so we are over here for my first Ben's Breakdown segment of the year. And what I want to talk about is Pitchcom. Now first I want to explain to everybody what exactly is Pitchcom. It is a new system that is being used in Major League Baseball this year. It is in place already to help prevent sign-stealing Uh, for offensive players, for batters, for guys standing out on second, whatever it may be. It's a new system for catchers to relay a sign to the pitcher and the pitcher be able to know what's coming without physically putting your fingers between your legs and telling the pitcher what is coming. That is what it is. It is currently being used. So I'm over here to explain how it's being used as well. Let's start from the catcher's perspective. Behind the plate, what is happening when this system is being used. Now, it's not being used yet by everybody, but there are multiple teams, multiple pitchers that are doing this. The catcher has a pad that he uses. It's like a black clicker almost. So when you see this in games, you'll now know what it is. This this clicker has nine buttons on it, and they can stick it on their knee pad. They can hold it. I saw Maldonado of the Astros the other night holding it, and then he put it on his knee. 
This clicker has nine buttons and you can pick the pitch and location. So fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, you can make it whatever you want, as well as inside, outside, down, up, whatever it may be. So you click the buttons and then the catcher is done with his job. Now, how does it get relayed? How does the pitcher get that sign? Well, the pitcher underneath his baseball hat, typically right here, has a little microphone, a little speaker. So as soon as the button is pushed, it can say into the pitcher's ear, fastball outside. So the pitcher can get that sign. He's still looking at the catcher, getting his sign, getting his sign. And without the catcher having to tell the pitcher what's coming or the runner on second base to see what's coming, the pitcher can hear fastball outside, shake yes, come set, and throw the pitch. Now, you're still able to shake off. You can hear in your ear, fastball outside, shake, no. Slider outside, yes. Come set and throw your pitch. This is brilliant. I don't know why it has taken us so long to get here. Well, I do. Baseball is a game that changes aren't always welcome, and it sometimes takes a little bit of time. That is how Pitchcom is working. Let me explain more the why. The what. The what exactly is happening. So this is big because for years now, forever, basically, sign stealing in baseball has been very, very prevalent whether it be a runner on second base getting the sign, whether it be a first base coach or a third base coach looking in the catcher's legs and seeing what he's putting down, whatever it may be, more and more in this day and age, technology has been used. This helps prevent that. It goes straight into the pitcher's ear. There is no sign stealing whatsoever. It's impossible to do it. Some other things it's doing, it's speeding up the game. It really is. There's not as many mound meetings. There's not much going on in terms of, you know, the catcher having to get up from behind the plate and go out and talk to the pitcher. That's not happening. Uh, things are happening quicker. They really are. I love PitchCom. And if you haven't yet, if you haven't noticed it, if you're wondering what that little black clicker is, that's it. It's PitchCom. And the catcher has it. He tells the pitcher what he wants to throw, clicks his little button, relays it to the pitcher, and then we're good to go. I think this is great for the game of baseball. I do think it will help speed it up. I know from talking to some pitchers that so far, batters, are, uh, batters might not be huge fans of it because their timing's a little off. Think about it. Typically, as a batter, I, can, I, I know, you know when, you're, when you're shaking, when you're ready to go, that's not really happening much anymore. There's not really a cadence that batters have to go off of. They just get their sign, and they go. But it is speeding up the game a little bit. It is going to help prevent sign stealing, which has been a massive, uh, it has been a massive thing in the game of baseball for years to come. When I was in the Detroit Tigers organization, we would have hours and hours a day where we would learn the art of sign stealing. If you're out on second base, here's how you do it. If you're in the dugout and can pick something, something up, here's how you do it. Well, now pitchers have the ability to have direct communication with their catcher without anybody else on the planet being able to know what is coming. That is PitchCom. That is the beauty of PitchCom. 
and you should keep an eye out for it this season and now know what to look for when you see the catcher pushing a little button. Sometimes it's on his knee. Sometimes he holds it and then puts it there. But be on the lookout for that. Pitchcom has been a thing of beauty. It's worked well to this point. The only thing that I'm going to keep an eye on is when the crowds get loud. That has seemed to be the one thing this year that has been a struggle is pitchers can't exactly hear it when the crowd gets really loud and into it. So keep an eye on that as we go on later and later into the year and the crowds get louder and louder as baseball ramps up. But Pitchcom's a thing of beauty. Keep your eyes on it. It has been awesome this far. All right, and to wrap every show, I like to do a little extra inning segment, something that is cool or special or that I want to talk about. And this week, I have two, two extra innings things to talk about. First up being Roki Sasaki, a pitcher over in Japan who is really young, 19, 20 years old, throws 101 miles an hour, has a 90, 91 mile an hour splitter. But the reason I want to talk, talk about him is the other day, two outings ago, he threw a perfect game in Japan with 19 strikeouts, 19 punches, perfect game. His very next start happened over the weekend. He went eight perfect innings. He has thrown 17 perfect innings in a row. It is one of the coolest things I could ever imagine. This guy is electric. He throws over 100 miles an hour. His splitter is disgusting. He topped out at 102 miles an hour, and he's only 20 years old watch out for this guy roki sasaki is his name learn it understand it even watch him watch some of his starts in japan keep an eye on him this is electric 17 perfect innings i've never seen anything like it shout out to him next up for me and last is miguel cabrera a guy that um means a lot to me I've grown up being around him in locker rooms, and then I got to play with him some in locker rooms. I learned a lot from him in terms of the game of baseball. He is now five hits away from 3,000 in his career. 3,000 is right around the corner. The Tigers are heading home to play the New York Yankees, and Miguel Cabrera, who is one of the greatest of all time, is close to that list of 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. It's close. It's special. He's a special player. He means a lot to me. He means a lot to the city of Detroit. And now he's just a couple hits away from a milestone that I just had to shed a light on. I wish I was able to be there when he gets it done. We will be talking about it here. It is special. It is going to be elite territory the combo of 500 home runs and 3,000 hits we will talk about that in depth on this show when it happens but keep an eye my friends he's close Miguel Cabrera is close to that 3,000 hit mark that does it for this week's episode well this Monday episode of flipping bats we have a couple more exciting ones coming for you throughout the week Wednesday a fantastic guest for you Thursday's live show will also be a blast so be on the lookout for those this has been fun. Make sure you subscribe, like, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. 
We have social media as well, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Every episode comes out via video on YouTube. You can check out this beautiful, beautiful set. So thank you guys for listening. I will be back on Wednesday with an awesome guest interview, and I will see you guys then.